Well, no one from Ball State will ever come to our church. But anyways, uh, hey, uh, don't you love the Step Brothers? Our video team did such a good job, uh, and uh, we're grateful for them. Hey, I'm so glad that you chose to uh, hang out with us today. Uh, my name's Chris, and we're in uh, part uh, six of our series called Stay Positive. And uh, what we've been doing is we've been talking about how there's so much negativity in our world and how uh, it's hard to stay positive. And so we've looked at biblical traits uh, that are important. And last week, uh, uh, didn't uh, uh, Emily Scoglin, who's our small groups director, didn't she do a great job uh, teaching? Yeah. And uh, somebody sent me a text and said, take another week off. We're in fine shape. So I love you guys too. Anyways, um, but today what I want to do is I want to talk about enthusiasm and I want to talk about it through the lens of a spiritual perspective. You see, the reality is I think there are two different types of people in our world. That's what I'll argue. And this is kind of your first fill-in that you can fill in the blank either in your program or you can go to our JAR app and fill it out as well. And there's two types of people in the world. The first one are people who let their environment influence their enthusiasm. And the second group of people are people who let their enthusiasm actually affect their environment. So there are some people who go through life and they allow the environment that they're in to affect them. And other people actually don't allow the mood of the environment to affect them, but they actually allow their enthusiasm to infect the environment that they're in. And those um, who are enthusiastic have a tendency of knowing how to go into a room, and if it's negative and it's kind of drab, they just don't allow that mood to affect them. They bring something in themselves. And I saw this in no better place uh, than when my wife Jennifer and I Uh, went to Seattle, Washington uh, a few years ago uh, before kids. That's when we got to go on trips a lot more. And uh, so before kids, uh, we would go. And so we went to Seattle. And uh, if you know anything about Seattle, is that what does it do weather-wise almost every single day? Rain. 307 days a year, it either rains or it's cloudy. There's only 58 days on average that it's ever sunny for the whole day. So you think it's bad in Indiana. It could be worse, okay? And uh, so that's kind of the environment that they're in. But in the heart of the city, there is this amazing kind of enthusiastic company called the Pike Place Fish Market. And I want you to take a look at their promo. Pike Place Fish Market, you'll see lots of flying fish. But we saw more. Great customer service. Teamwork. Energy. And and this goes on and on. What actually happened is a marketing company uh, found this place of business called the Pike Place Fish Market, and they actually do a whole kind of marketing thing now to where they go into tons of companies trying to help them to deal with spirit and morale. Because when you walk into this place, uh, it's just a huge market, but there's one shop compared to all the others that is filled with enthusiasm. And so my wife Jennifer and I, we decided when we went to Seattle, we'd go check it out. And so we're walking uh, towards uh, the market, this fish market, 
And as we're getting ready to get close to it, one of the guys yells out, cool dude walking. And then everybody behind the actual stand goes, cool dude walking. And my wife looks at me and looks around and says, who's she talking about? And I'm like, Jen, he's talking about me. And we get a little bit closer and they go, beautiful woman with him. And they all yell out loud, beautiful woman with him. And I started looking around to see. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I didn't do that. I I knew who they were talking about, okay? And they would just yell at people as they were walking by, uh, filled with enthusiasm uh, because they wanted to impact people's lives. You see, they weren't so concerned about selling fish as as much as they were trying to encourage and build other people up. And so people would walk by and they go, hey, have a wonderful day. You're, we're so glad you're walking by our stand today. Those kind of things. And all of this energy is in this place. And so I pulled one of the employees aside and I asked him, I said, man, there's so much energy and enthusiasm here. I, I go, why? And this is what he told me. He said, in Seattle, one out of every two days is usually gloomy and dreary and horrible. And people walk by and they're depressed and they're down. And so it's our mission. He said, this is what their mission is. Look for ways to make your day. That's the mission of it. It's not selling fish. The number one mission is to look for ways to make your day. And they said, yeah, we we want to sell fish and we think that's great. But the key is really to look out and to bring enthusiasm to other people, to build them up, to help make their day. Folks, I'm telling you, that kind of attitude, if you've ever been there, I'd encourage you to go. It's like just contagious. And all the other shops, I'm sure, hate them because there are crowds of people that just wait there because they just want to be a part of that enthusiasm. They don't allow the environment around them that is rainy and nasty and cloudy to affect them but instead, they influence, their enthusiasm influences their environment. And it's not because they just picked the most happiest people in Seattle. It's because there's this deep enthusiasm as a culture to work there that they're able to share. Now, the interesting thing about this word enthusiasm is that it actually comes from two Greek words, and uh, we'll bring it up on the uh, screen here, on theos. Um, you don't, you don't pronounce it entheos. It's ontheos. So let's all say that out loud together. One, two, three. Ontheos. And ontheos um, really uh, comes down to two words. The word on means in, and the word theos actually means God. Kind of where we get the word theology from. The study of God. And so literally, the word enthusiasm, when you break it down, what it means is in God or filled with God. So every time that you see that word enthusiasm, you need to understand that at the root of its core of that word is this concept of an intimate relationship with God. Because enthusiasm, folks, is not just a mood or it's not just an attitude. It is a spiritual result of having God inside you. In fact, I want to show a couple of verses of what this kind of looks like. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 57 and 58. And Paul, a guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament, he gives us these words. He says this, 
But thank God. Now why? Why should we thank God? Well, it goes on to say. It says, we thank God. Why? Because He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm telling you, if you're a Christ follower and you have lost your enthusiasm over this verse, get it back. Because one of the things you have to realize is that God came and gave us His Son to give us victory over any sin, any wrong in our life, and death, He overcame that so that we could have life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then He goes on to say, So my dear brothers and sisters, I love this next part, be strong and immovable. That you can be strong and immovable. And how should we work? It says, always work what? How do you work? Yeah, that's the way the first, pre, uh, first celebration people did too. Enthusiastically. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm here today. I gave an hour and a half of my life to come here today. Okay? Always work how? Enthusiastically. Yeah, you can like, you know, say it. Uh, enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever what? Useless. It's never useless. Now, how do we work? Much better. Okay. Who are we working for? The Lord. Yeah. Why? Because you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. We work for the Lord. We work for the Lord. And when you work for the Lord, this is what happens. When you're working for Him, that transforms something in your life that may be mundane and it makes it meaningful. For example, my wife Jennifer is a physician and for about four years she worked in the ER. And sometimes she would work 24-hour shifts. And when she worked 24-hour shifts, I was always responsible for the kids. So when she was gone... Uh, we partied like it was 1999, okay? Like we put prints on. We were just like into it. We had Jesus songs. We did all kinds of stuff. And we just wrecked the house. And uh, we would do this. And we had so much fun. And then all of a sudden, it would hit me about two hours before she was done with her shift. Mom's coming home. And I would start panicking. And I would be like, oh, my gosh, you know, she's coming home. we got to get this place cleaned up. And so I, I'll never forget, it was a, a couple of months or a couple of years ago, I went and I said, hey, girls, I said, I need your help. Uh, we're going to clean. We're going to get everything nice. It's going to look beautiful. Are you with me? And both of them stood there and said, no. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm, come on, let's do this. You can do this with me, right? And they're like, whatever, Dad, you know. And finally I said, well, it's not for me, it's for your mom. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll go ahead and help, you know. And I love those kids sometimes. And, uh, well, uh, you know, my oldest daughter just started cleaning the kitchen like I'd never seen her clean before. She's doing dishes. She's doing all kinds of stuff. My youngest daughter, Shiloh, is picking up stuff. I'm vacuuming. They start getting candles out. You know the one that's always in plastic and you never take out? until, uh, you know, real important people come. They ripped it up, and they're like out there. And pretty soon, our whole house smells like Bath and Body Works. And why did we do this? For the mom. Now, I'm not saying that the mom is the Lord of the house. Actually, I am saying Jen is the Lord of the house. Okay? 
Uh, she is. And, uh, but this is what I noticed. When they took something that was so mundane, which was cleaning, but when they knew they were doing it for their mom, all of a sudden there was energy that's there. And folks, in the same way, when we work, what we do, we do it for who? The Lord. And how do we work? Enthusiastically. Colossians 3.23, another scripture, Paul says these words. Let's say these first three words out loud together. Whatever you do. What's that mean? Whatever you do. Whatever you do. Whatever it is. Whenever you do it. If you work in a doctor's office, if you work fast food, if you uh, are the CEO of your company, if you are going to small group, if you help with the parking team, if you help with teardown, whatever you do, what's the scripture say? It, oh, they took it down. Bring it back. Is it coming back? It's not coming back. All right. Well, look in your program. It says, whatever you do, we work at it with all of our heart. How? As working for the Lord and not for human masters. Whatever you do, we work at it with all of our hearts. Folks, we need to understand that what enthusiasm says is whatever you do, whenever you work, you work as for the Lord. In a world that's rampant with negativity, what we're choosing to do is to say, we're going to stay positive, we're going to stay enthusiastic. When it's raining every other day and it's nasty, the employees at the Pike Place Fish Market stand up and say, we're going to be enthusiastic, we're going to make people's day today. Now, for the rest of our time, what I want to do is kind of look at a character in the Bible, a guy by the name of David, who was one of the greatest characters of the Old Testament. And I want to talk about maybe one of the most well-known story narratives in all of Scripture. It's the story of David and a giant named Goliath. Now, when we read this, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at it through the lens of spiritual enthusiasm. Now, if you don't know the backstory to it, let me tell it to you real quick. So, there was uh, two different groups of people battling over the same part of land. There was one group called the Philistines and another group called the Israelites, which were God's people. And the Philistines' army was very, very intimidating. And part of it is, is because they had a giant. I mean, a guy that was eight feet or higher, most scholars believe. Uh, named Goliath, and he would look at them every single day, and he would kind of tempt the Israelite army, who will fight me, he would say, who will fight me, and no one wanted to fight him, they were all scared of him, because he was so big and so strong, he was a giant, and again, all of the Israelites didn't want to do this battle, but basically what it came down to, either Goliath was going to win the battle in all the land, or someone had to step up. And finally, this little teenage pimple-faced guy by the name of David, who was a shepherd, walks up with spiritual enthusiasm, and he says these words. Um, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you how? 
I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defy. In other words, um, he, was, he says, you know, this day is it for you. This is the end. And it's not about me, but it's about God. He goes on. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down, and I'll cut off your head. Wow, that's pretty graphic, isn't it? Huh? It's in the Bible. See, that's why you should read it. Next one. This very day I will give you carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is what? A God in Israel. Goliath, you're not the God. Philistine army, you're not little gods. There's only one God of Israel. And what you find is David is like on theos. He, he's filled with God. He's filled with the presence. And he might be even a little cocky. He's like, hey, pretty soon all your carcasses are going to be fed you know, to the birds. That's how sure I am of my God. And here is David, and he's filled with this on theos. He's working, and God is filling him with enthusiasm. Why? Because he's at a point in his life where he's like, God, everything I have, I trust you with it. I trust you. Now, the tragedy of David's life is that he didn't continue to live with that enthusiasm for the rest of his life. He was very enthusiastic. He was charged. Let's go in. We'll take out the giant. But as he grew older, the spiritual fire that had started kind of cooled. Now, have you ever been a young David before? All of a sudden, God kind of comes into your life and like you're on fire and you're, you're so excited for it. And every single day you wake up and you're like, hey, God, today I'm giving you my life. Whatever you want to do, uh, I'll do it. Just let me know. And then maybe something happened, though, in your life. Like maybe a divorce came. or Maybe there was a tragedy or a death in your family. Or somehow... You were worshiping God and you were doing everything and all of a sudden he didn't come through the way that you thought he should. And all of a sudden your enthusiasm just kind of wanes. Or maybe nothing happened at all. The reality is your life just got really busy. And instead of getting up and having some time with God or getting up on Sunday and coming to church, you just said, hey, I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to take it easy. Maybe all of a sudden your kids' activities became the central set or your job or your hobbies or whatever it was went ahead of God and you just kind of didn't want it to be that way but you just lost some enthusiasm. Or maybe you don't even know why it happened. But today, as you're sitting there today in the seat that you're in, you just don't quite have the same enthusiasm for the things of God that you once did. Well, I think God must have known that human beings would struggle with this. And so he kind of tells us that there are seasons when we may be like this, and he looks specifically at David's life of two seasons in his life. The first season is this, the season that David was a kid. This was when he was young, and he was ready to take on giants. In fact, uh, there's a scripture in 1 Samuel 17 uh, that says this. 
as Goliath moved closer to attack, what did David do? David quickly ran out to meet him. So here's the attack, and David's like, I'm not worried. And he like runs in to be able to go to Goliath. Let's go on to the rest of the story. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling, and he hit the Philistine in the forehead. I mean, he's like, I'm ready to take you out. You want to mess with my God? My God is so great. He can do anything. I am not afraid of you. We're coming after you. And then this next kind of phrase, I had not noticed it before, but look what it says. The stone sank in. It's like a little bit sick, but I like it. You know, It's like the stone is stuck like in his head. And look at what it says. It says, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. David was like, who are you, Goliath, to come after my God? I don't care if you're a giant. My God is bigger than whatever you can do. Folks, this is on Theos. This is David filled with God. He's filled with this spirit. And he's like, my, can, my God can do anything. And he's like maxed out on believing that the God of the universe can do anything in his life. The problem is, he didn't stay that way. Fast forward to the next season of his life, and we find now that David is a king. Now, if you think about it, if the God of the universe now kind of promotes you to king, you would think that he would actually have more enthusiasm. Like, you would be more enthusiastic for the things of God because now you're the king of God's people. I mean, this life that he has now, it's so much more comfortable and so much more easy. And then, starting in verse number 1 uh, in Second Kings, we read this. In the spring... At the time, somebody read those next five words. What's it say? When kings go off to what? War. When all the kings are going off to war, David sent Joab, that is his commander, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. In other words, he sends everybody out who's in the army except himself, who is the king. And what? Is David again? What is he again? He's a king. And what do kings do? They go to war. And he doesn't do that. And then begins kind of the tragedy of David's life. Verse 2 says this. One evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof And many of you are like, well, that's no big deal. But there's that dot, dot, dot. And what that means is that there's a whole lot more to the story. If you don't know the story, let me tell you. David is the king. Where's king supposed to be? To war. He stays back. He's on the roof of his palace, and he's just kind of sightseeing, looking at everything. Wow, look at this. This is amazing. When all of a sudden, he looks over there and he's like, "Woo!" And do you know what he saw? 
a naked woman taking a shower on top of her roof. And I tell this to guys all the time. It's not the first look, guys. You can't help but notice beauty. But this is what David did. He goes, whoo! Whoa, whoa, whoa! And all of a sudden, he looks and he says, hey, I don't think her shower is working quite right. I think I should send one of my people over to help work on the shower and for that person to bring uh, her back to me. Her name was Bathsheba. Now, I don't know if that's what went in his head. I just made all that up. But this is what I'm saying. We do know this, and this is true, that he sent somebody out to get her. And when she got back to the palace, yada, 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 he had an affair. And yada, 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 he had her husband killed and murdered in battle. You see, the problem was when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he got in trouble. When he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, he thought something he wasn't supposed to think, he did something he wasn't supposed to do, and he lost something that he wasn't supposed to lose. And where did it all start, folks? Where did it start? When he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Now, I want to show you the contrast of these two seasons of David's life uh, in these, this year last fill-in. So if you're like, hey, we're coming to the end, here it is. Contrast the two seasons. The first one was when he was a kid. With enthusiasm, on Theos, God inside me, David ran into the battle to serve his God. David was like, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll take anything. I'll go for whatever. But then when he became king, here was the other season. With apathy, David walked on the roof to serve his comfort. He had these two things, two seasons of his life. One, he was all for God. He was enthusiastic. He had God living in him. And one time he said, well, God, I don't want so much of you. I'd rather have my own comfort. How did a man who had so much enthusiasm, who killed a giant and became king of Israel, later on lose it? I would argue that he took his eyes off of his calling and he put it on his comfort. He took his eyes off his eternal calling and he put it on temporary comfort. He should have been able to go off to war, but he disobeyed. Now, this is the question that I have for all of us in the auditorium this morning, and it's this. Which of these two categories best represents you? Enthusiasm or apathy? When it comes to you and where you're at in your relationship with God right now, is there enthusiasm or is there apathy? For those of you who are here and you're a Christ follower, you say, hey, uh, I'm committed to Jesus my question is, are you charging into battle? Do you have on theos? Are you filled with God? Maybe you are today, and you're like, you know what, I am. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm open to it. If the enemy has attacks towards me, I, I go after it. 
I'm telling other people and my neighbors, co-workers, about Jesus and His love. I wake up each morning and I have a divine purpose in my life of knowing what I need to do. Everything I do, I do it for the glory of God and for His betterment. I work enthusiastically, not for myself, but I do it for the Lord. Everything in me simply wants to bring honor to Him. My question is, are you like that? Or have you kind of slipped from that place? Where if you had to be honest, life has simply become so much more about you. What I want to do, when I want to do it, and I want comfort. Hey, I know I should be serving in some way, but, you know, I'd rather just walk out on the palace rooftop and do my own thing. So let somebody else do that. I'll stay comfortable. I know I probably should be giving to someone or to somebody. God's blessed me a lot. Maybe to the church even that I'd financially say I'm going to do that. But, well, somebody else can do that. I, I know I should worship God. I mean, he probably deserves to be worshipped. But I can't always quite get up to go to church. I know sometimes... Uh, I think, man, I should go help with jar kids because someone's up there serving my kids and taking care of them. But the more I think about it, let somebody else do that. I know that I could probably pray for some things because, you know, prayer's important. And, you know, I've, I once had a prayer life and God really moved in the midst of that. But, you know what, I'm really busy now and I don't have that same amount of time. I know maybe I should consider getting baptized. Uh, by the way, next week, I'm teaching a baptism class uh, that's here, and uh, it'll be in the community room. Lunch is provided. Child care is provided. And I'll ask people, I'll say, hey, uh, are you ready for a relationship with God? And they're like, not quite yet. I'm not quite good enough yet. Uh, I haven't quite, you know, gotten rid of some things in my life. I- I'm just not good enough for God to accept me that way. And maybe that's where you're at. That maybe, just maybe, you're not good enough. But today you could say, you know what? I'll check that blue box on your Connect card. Do you have a Connect card you filled out? There's a blue box in the upper upper right-hand corner. And you'd say, you know what? I'm tired of listening to all of that. I'm ready to give a chance. But maybe you'll walk out here today and you'll go, eh, I don't think I'm good enough. I can't make the commitment. Maybe for others of you, you're like, Chris, I hear what you're saying, but I just got a lot of issues going on in my life right now, and I need to attend to them. Folks, let me just say this. I want to ask you a question. Dead honest, just between you and God, are you enthusiastic for Him? Are you on Theos? Or have you kind of become apathetic and become a little comfortable with your life? You know, when I think of David's life, I think, how does a kid who was so strong that he just picked up a rock and put it in a slingshot and he threw it and he took down a giant, how did that same guy become the king and then he lost his enthusiasm. Let me tell you what happened. He stopped focusing enthusiastically on his calling and he started giving into the temporary comfort of his day. And I just wonder today, for those of you who are here in this auditorium, I wonder, would you say, yeah, you know what? One time I was filled with God and His purpose. But you know what? I'm not so much right now. I've actually kind of slipped away. 
And the real question is, when you've drifted away, when you've kind of fallen away, maybe when you've actually walked away and you're back here for the very first time that you've ever come to church in a long time, what do you do to regain that? What do you do? Well, it hit me last year. It was a year in which I wasn't really connecting with God as much, but I was always busy doing stuff. And at the beginning of the year, I said, God, give me a word that would help me direct my life in 2019. And the word he gave me was abide, which means to stay connected, to stay close, to remain. And so all of a sudden it hit me. What I need to do is go back to the places of my life when I was on fire for God, and I need to do the exact same things I was doing then. And you know what I was doing? I was abiding. And so now I put three different days a week where I simply sit for 30 minutes in God's presence to abide, to just be with Him, not do something for God, simply to be with Him. And you might be asking yourself, well, Chris, I was enthusiastic for the Lord now, but what should I do? You do the things, folks, that you did when you were first excited. And I can think of three that are very clear. Here they are. You trust God daily, you walk with God daily, and you worship God daily. You you wake up in the morning and you go, God, today before I do anything else, I'm going to be on my knees and I'm saying, I'm trusting you. I was talking to Caleb, who... uh, leads our worship team. And he said one of the things he's doing, he takes his shoes and he puts them way underneath the bed so that he has to get on his knees at the beginning of the day so that he remembers who his God is. And you begin that morning by saying, I'm trusting you new and I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going to walk ahead of you, God, but I'm also not going to walk way behind you. I'm going to walk with you. And then finally, I'm going to worship you daily. Those are the things, I guarantee, that you were doing when you were most enthusiastic for the Lord. And what was going on in your life then? You saw God working in amazing ways. You saw His goodness around. And if you want to get that back, the first place you have to do is look internally and say, God, I want to change where I'm at. And there's a word that we don't like, but it is true. It's a word that will change us and take us in a new direction. And the word is called repent. And this word is broken down into two kind of words. Re means to turn back. And pent means that which is the highest. Like the penthouse is the highest. So I'm going one direction and I finally decide I'm going to turn and I'm actually now going to look to the highest calling that God has for my life, rather than just the comfortable stuff that I'm dealing with right now. When someone represents God in a way that they want to honor Him, they repent, they turn back from where they were at, and they turn to the most highest calling of God in their life. So if you're going in the wrong direction, folks, this is all I want to say. It's just one step to turn around. You don't have to take 20. You just have to take one. You turn around, and that's what repentance is. And David, he's going in the wrong direction, the wrong direction. He has an affair. He has that woman's husband killed. And finally, he gets her pregnant, and they lose the baby. And he's in his lowest moment, and he repents. And Psalm 51 says these words right here. David said, I cry out to God. He said, I'm crying out. 
Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And what's the next word? That's what he says. He says, God, would you restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Why are you enthusiastic? Why are you like this? Because Jesus Christ came into my life when I didn't deserve it. When I was 26 years old and I had lived such a a crazy life and most of college was about being drunk and with this woman and the next woman and all that kind of stuff, but God's Spirit came to me at the age of 26 and He flooded me with grace and He gave me new life and because of that, I can be enthusiastic for what He's done for me. So God is worthy now of my whole life and I am enthusiastic to follow Him. See, my life, folks, is not about myself anymore. It's not about preacher boy getting up here and saying a few words. It's about the God of the universe who knows me and loves me and has a plan for my life. And I want other people, every person that I know, to recognize his amazing love for them. You see, folks, there are two types of people in this world. There are those who allow their environment to dictate their enthusiasm, and there are those who allow their enthusiasm to dictate their environment. On Theos, filled with God. So if you're a husband here today, when there is a husband that's filled with God, this is what it looks like. When they get done with work and they're getting ready to go into their home and they hear loud shouting on the other door. Okay, not that you guys ever hear that. But kids are yelling. Wives are yelling. It's all crazy. They walk in not worrying about the environment, but they say, what can I do to influence it with my enthusiasm? And husbands, if you want to be enthusiastic for the Lord, this is what you do. You walk up to your wife and you give her a big old hug and you go, you are the best thing ever in my life. Not just on Valentine's Day, but on February 19th, when no one else is going to do anything for her. That you are the best in my life. I love you. And you give her a big old smooch. Now, I want you to know that if you do this, guys, what's going to happen is she's going to look at you and ask this, have you been drinking? (laughs) But this is the thing. If you do it a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time, what's going to happen is there's going to be something that happens in your marriage. And guys, when you take your wife for granted, you always have this just blah, blah, blah. But if you have a little enthusiasm with it and you actually come to her and you let her know that you're so grateful for her, it changes your marriage. If you go to your job tomorrow that you don't necessarily love, but you say this, you know what? I'm not working for that man. I'm not working for the boss. I'm not just working for a paycheck. I'm doing everything I do today for the Lord. And I'm leaving it all on the field today. All of a sudden, you start changing your work environment. As parents, when you get home, if you get home and all you do is take your unenthusiastic butt and you put it on the couch and you turn on the TV and all the kids are there, you're like, we're watching this. Ugh. 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 You want to watch Disney? Fine, watch Disney. Okay, what I'm going to do is look at my phone. Flip, 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 flip. Some of your fingers are going to fly off. That's what's going to happen. Here's like flip, 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 flip. And instead of doing that, 
What if enthusiastically, when you're enthusiastic for the Lord, you walk in and you say, hey, today we're going to actually make brownies, kids, and we're not going to sit there and watch the TV. It's game night. Uh, last night in our house, we had game night with gestures, and I was horrible. They laughed at me so bad. I lost so many points. But we were enthusiastic connecting as a family, and you can do this. When you have on Theos in your life, you're enthusiastically filled with the Lord. You live a different way. And when Sunday morning comes, instead of going like this, by the way, if you didn't know, this is an alarm clock, okay? <laughs> instead of doing that, you actually wake up and you're like, wow, today's Sunday. Today's a great day. We get to go. And all of a sudden you get the kids ready and everybody's ready and you go because you're like, God's going to do something and I want to be present there. And you guys are here today. So you all get an A, okay? Like you all get an A. We're going to be different because we choose to get up and to not allow the environment to influence us, but to allow our enthusiasm to influence our environment. It's a decision that simply says, today I'm going to be enthusiastic for God. I want to be filled with Him. I'm going to be enthusiastic. And let me say this, folks. Maybe you're a person who's drifted. Maybe you've kind of walked away. Maybe you've kind of just kind of slipped a little bit. I'm telling you, it's just one step to turn around and to be enthusiastic again. And you could simply say, today, I'm putting a stake in the ground. Today, starting today, I'm going to trust God daily. I'm going to walk with Him daily. And I'm going to worship with Him daily. And your life could be different. I wonder what a church would look like if every single person woke up each day and said, I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to walk with you today going to worship you today. And I'm telling you, you'll see your families change, you'll see your life change, you'll see our community change because you choose to do that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the way that you have worked in this auditorium today. And I pray specifically right now, God, for people who maybe have lost a little enthusiasm for you. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit, God, would draw them back. That they would be transformed and filled once again with your presence. Maybe you're sitting there and you're a Christ follower. You believe in Jesus. You're trying to do your best. But you're like, you know what? The truth is, Chris like you said last year for you, that's where I'm at today. I've just grown a little less enthusiastic for the things of God. But I'm telling you that if you just put a little more passion of Him in you, you would influence your family and your workplace and everything in a different way when you simply start choosing to say, I'm going to trust you daily. I'm going to walk with you daily. I'm going to worship with you daily. I pray right now, God, that you're on Theos. God living in people would be able to just go through this auditorium and 
maybe right now, if today's a day where you're like, you know what, that's where I've been. I want more enthusiasm. Uh, if you want a little more of God's enthusiasm in your life today, would you just lift your hand? Just say, God, it's just between you and God. Nobody else, no one's looking. But God, I want a little more enthusiasm of you in my life. God, I pray right now for each person's hand who's held. Help them to trust you daily. To wake up tomorrow and say, I'm walking with you. I'm going to worship you. I pray, God, that you would help them, that as they seek you, that they would find you. I pray that families would change. I pray that workplaces would be changed. I pray that this church would change in such a way to be filled with enthusiasm, to be filled with the Spirit of God. I pray your blessing on each hand that's lifted up. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe you're sitting there today and you're kind of like, man, this whole thing's new to me. I don't even know what you're talking about. But if you had to be honest, you'd say, you know what? There's some uh, chaos in my life right now. I don't have this peace that David said when he said, I'll give you the joy of salvation. That's what that means, that God's peace comes to you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have that kind of peace right now. Well, let me just say that if you don't have that kind of peace in your life right now, that's probably the reason why you're here. God brought you here, and he longs to give you his love and his joy and his peace. And the way that you can receive that today is simply by believing that Jesus Christ, he died on a cross, and he rose again three days later so that you could be forgiven and set free. It's not something that you have to earn. You don't have to be better than where you're at. You just simply take that first step. So right now, if you're ready to say, yes, God, I want your peace. I want your presence. I want your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your enthusiasm. I need eternal life. Today, by faith, God, I give my life to you. I surrender to you. If you're ready to say, Jesus, today's the day I give my life to you, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, it's not just any prayer, but it's a prayer that we all pray together in unison because we never pray alone here at the jar. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. I'm enthusiastic because you are good and I belong to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray.